Hi, and welcome to Mr. O's Sideways View, a blog and podcast dedicated to all those folks who aren't me. And I've noticed a surprisingly large number of people who aren't. Hmm. Anyway, I'm Mr. O, and it's time to take another sideways view at our crazy world. Bubble, bubble, toil and double. I'd better have candy or there'll be trouble. Yup, folks, it's Halloween in the USA. And that means candy companies' profits will go sky high. Selling smaller snacks, folks give out to trick-or-treaters for much higher prices. I don't mind this tradition, but why is it that tinier goodies cost so much more than their big brothers? I spend more on giveaway candies this time of the year than I spend on myself all year round. Maybe I should invest in sweets. I would, but the chocolate futures are milky. Some might even say dark. I mean, I could end up singing, Nobody knows the truffles I've seen. Okay, that's enough of that. I should be punished for those last remarks. Anyway, for those of you who don't know, the tradition around here is for kids to dress up in costumes and mooch candy from their neighbors for two hours. The winner is the one who gets the most. I'm not sure what the prize is these days, but when I was a kid, the winner got his very own stomach ache and an all-expense-paid trip to the dentist. In my housing complex, there is a secondary tradition for the adults. If you're a parent taking your kids around, instead of a goodie bag, you carry a shot glass. So when your kids pick up candy, you and the homeowner each take a shot of whatever alcoholic beverage they're serving. You're wandering the streets drunk while your kids are running amok in a sugar rush. I mean, what could go wrong? Of course, November 1st is called All Souls Day and was probably named because folks were seeing strange things or bent over the toilet wishing they were dead. Actually, I'm never home on All Hallows' Eve and my oldest son is responsible for taking care of the little monsters and the trick-or-treaters, too. My friends and I have a long-standing tradition for the scariest of nights. We get together and watch old B-horror movies from the 1950s. We laugh so hard, and not at the movies themselves. What amuses us the most is the great question. How could anyone have ever taken these movies seriously, even back then? Giant ants, super snails, scorpions the size of a house, or a 30-foot-tall woman looking for her husband? These are the things we watch, and every time, we lose more brain cells. The real problem is, they all have the same story. They just change the location, and what's destroying the world that day. Mostly, they all start out with Dr. Bob talking with his beautiful assistant, Mary. Then one of two things happens. Either Bob tries an experiment with isotope 456 and it goes horribly wrong, or we find out they've been testing nuclear devices nearby. Anyway, for the next 45 minutes, Bob and Mary find out there have been several mysterious disappearances. Bob says, hmm, and takes off his glasses. Why? Who knows? But he can't go on with the movie unless he does this. Next, there comes a point when they find the giant monster, and Mary screams. It's usually a pretty good scream. The cameraman gets a real nice close-up of Mary's screaming face. Dr. Bob grabs her out of the way of the monster. 
being sure not to touch her in any way which could be deemed inappropriate. This was the 1950s, after all. After the screen, we find out just how bad the situation is as the couple enters a town with no people. Their first assumption is the monster has eaten everyone. Frankly, I would have assumed there was a great sale at Walmart. At least I would have checked their parking lot before panicking. But they don't. Who knows why? Maybe the director was running out of film. Either way, Bob decides he's going to fix the situation. He sets up a lab and gets to work. Invariably, if there is one thing he needs he doesn't have. So Mary must go out alone to get it. This is the suspenseful part. Now, there are countless reasons for this. But suddenly, Mary's car stalls out. Again, with her hanging out with a smart guy like Bob, you'd think she'd keep it gassed up. Then again, she's a woman in the 1950s, so she doesn't know about such things. Of course she gets out of the car never thinking about the infestation of giant whatevers. Because, as a woman, she's really not qualified to think rationally. I'm glad I live today, because I would have a serious problem with all those helpless women. It makes you wonder what happened to make girls so much smarter in just 60 years. But I digress. As Mary is wandering around aimlessly, she is grabbed by the monster. Bob rushes out with his impossible invention and saves her. This is amazing, because the invention wasn't supposed to work without whatever Mary was sent to get. Apparently, he didn't need it in the first place, and was just getting rid of Mary. Probably because he wasn't planning to make any babies or clean the house at that particular time. I am so glad I didn't live back then. So, Bob saves Mary, then turns his invention on the rest of the town, and the world is saved! Bob is a hero. But is he really? If it wasn't for Bob's mistake, there wouldn't be any giant whatevers in the first place. Personally, I'd be forming a posse to have Bob arrested for all the folks who died for his stupid mistake. Oh, sure, you can say he fixed his mistake. Whoop-dee-doo! I make mistakes, take responsibility, and fix them all the time at work. The thing is, no towns are destroyed when I do. The movie has it all wrong. Bob is not a hero. He's a brainy idiot and should be shot. Mary, on the other hand, is just an innocent bystander. She made no mistakes and only tried to help. She's the hero. She braved the monsters without the aid of the impossible invention and would probably have gotten out of trouble without Bob's help. Women are like that, resourceful. Another thing which bothers me is there is never any disclaimer at the beginning of these movies. No giant mutated creatures were harmed in the making of this picture. I mean, who knows? Maybe they were, and the ASPCA should be notified. The slugs, or whatever, never asked to be mutated. In fact, I bet they were never even consulted. The producer probably just went to the store, bought some slugs, and mutated them into giant monsters without so much as a how do you do. I'm also willing to bet those poor creatures weren't compensated for their suffering, which is slug slavery, by the way. They were likely just assassinated at the end of the filming. No muss, no fuss. Yes, I realize I'm judging movies that were made 70 years ago and can't be unmade. But perhaps if we look at our past mistakes, we can make a better tomorrow.
Besides, the movies of today are unwatchable, so I can't rate those. Thanks for listening, and I hope you laughed a lot. Stop by anytime. Open 24-7 for your smiling convenience. If you liked it, push like or share it with a friend. If you missed an episode, you can hear Mr. O on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Remember to subscribe so you won't miss it again. If you'd like, you can send me an email at ossidewaysview at gmail.com. That's O-H-H-S, sidewaysview at gmail.com. And remember what I always say, laugh now. You can be crabby anytime.